Hey guys, thanks for tuning us in for this ninth episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests in this episode are new country artist Dylan Gerard, actress Perry Gilpin, creator of Comedy Central, Art Bell, and stuntman and actor and friend of the show, Christian Kane. If you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, a comment, or feedback, and share with your friends. Our first guest is new country artist Dylan Gerard. You might remember him from his time on season 13 of The Voice. We're going to talk about his latest single and how timely its message is today. Dylan, first off, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. Hey, thank you guys for taking the time to have me on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, for you, the, the the single that is out and about uh, for, for you to get that out on the on the airwaves. What was uh, what was the feeling like the first time you you heard that as you turned uh, a radio station on? What was what was that feeling like first time hearing it? Man, it was honestly. It's just been it's been crazy. It's been uh, surreal. It's been amazing, humbling. All those things just to have like a year and a half's worth of work um, and waiting and recording uh, to just come to fruition and just to, to hear it and um, to have like, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of corny, but like, I think the first time that I heard it, I was probably, I was riding along with my, uh, with my mom and dad. We were just going to like a little family dinner type thing. Um, and uh, it was just, it was a really cool moment just to, because it is a song. It's like it's about you know where I grew up, how I grew up, um, nostalgic roots, um, and so it just kind of felt really kind of full circle. You know that that's you write it about your family and where you're from, and then you you get to ride in the car and listen to it with your parents, and it was just I mean it was really it was really cool. It was really a really great moment for me. You wrote the song for moments like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and like nowadays, um, I was talking with somebody, and nowadays those moments are just—they feel like they're, uh, I guess, more than they usually are, just because with quarantine and just kind of having a lot more time on your hands, it's easy now to to spend it with your family and to spend it in those moments, you know, just kind of uh, reminiscing and just being there for each other and just kind of getting back to those you know, quote-unquote simple things. So it's it's been really nice. And, and for you to get that feedback, like you mentioned, uh, we're, we're all going through this craziness together uh, separately, <laughs> in, right. in however you want to put that. But for, for you to be able to, to, to inspire, to, to put a smile on somebody's face, especially when, when everything else is so heavy. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I would hope for, at least. When I wrote the song, you know, that's the kind of, those are the kind of moments that you that you want um, you want to make or help people feel you know what you felt uh, writing it living it just all that stuff I mean I was riding in the car I was listening to Bob Seeger yesterday and I was just like man I just hope one day that somebody feels about my music the way that I feel about like Bob Seeger's music or about you know Brooks and Dunn or Johnny Cash Willie Nelson like that kind of stuff just that it would, you know, connect with somebody in some way at some point and mean something to them. So, yeah, I mean, it's you, you write them and you just kind of hope that they mean something to people. Now, who, uh, Dylan, who were your earliest musical influences that, uh, that, that brought you the love of music? Uh, who, who inspired you first? Uh, whew, um, I, I'd probably say the, some of like the, 
earliest recollections I can like I have of like picking up the guitar and wanting to learn songs from other artists. Uh, there are people like uh, Willie Nelson and like the Eagles were really big for me in high school when I was learning to sing and play the guitar and um, you know just knowing that I probably would never master the 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 solo at the end of like Hotel California or something. But um, no, I mean I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock and and classic country and then you know '90s country because I'm a I'm an '88 baby so. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff on the radio, you know, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Trisha Yearwood. My mom would always listen to Trisha Yearwood. Um, you know, and in that same token like Garth Brooks and all them. So I mean it's just it's a wide range, but those are just kinda like some of my musical influences when it comes to country. Now, during the downtime, uh, the, 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 the separation time that we've all been going through, has, has there been anything that you've been trying to tweak about, uh, about maybe instrumentation, vocals, anything that you've been uh, putting extra emphasis on? Um, I try and play the guitar a little more. I'm really not. I'm more of a rhythm player, and I think I just kind of know that. I've tried, to, I've tried to get better here and there throughout the years, but... Uh, my fingers don't typically work the way that I would want them to. But um, no, between that and just kind of uh, just trying to hone in on like some writing, just kind of going back and listening to other songs and just kind of trying to see like what worked for those songs, uh, some of the ideas that that they explored and um, the way that you word things and just all that stuff. I mean, I've tried to hone in a little more on that, and then vocals, honestly, the vocals have been, it's been different for me because I was used to singing so much beforehand that I was always trying to save my voice when I wasn't doing shows or gigs or anything, and now I have no reason to save my voice, so, you know, you can explore a little more vocally, um, or at least in my case, so, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like a combination of all those things. And you you talked about the the process of going back and finalizing some 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 ideas and thoughts from before. What is, what is the most challenging part of the of the writing process? Is it uh, the formulation of the ideas? Is it the or is it maybe uh, finally putting it into something? Finally agreeing that okay, it's done. I mean, it's it's all it's all those things. It's just a matter of like which one at what time. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes the idea hits you immediately, and then it's like, all right, the hard part is finding the melody. Um, and then other times you have a really cool melody, but like you, you just want to find the right idea that fits it. And you don't want to. For me, it comes down to like, I don't want to waste a good melody on a decent idea. I want to try and find the good, the good idea that that you know, fits with the melody and then the instrumentation and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I have some ideas here and there, but for the most part, I, I lean on, you know, other musicians and, and producers and stuff like that to ex- take that song and kind of like explore areas that I would not necessarily think to explore. I mean, the majority of the time I write a song on an acoustic guitar and then what you hear the final product is a lot of other people's ideas and hands and 
their abilities. And so, I mean, that's where, like, I know I am not, I know I am not, like, that kind of musician that that takes it from start to finish by themselves. I, uh, I very much so lean on my community and my my friends and those producers and the people that, you know, have a lot of experience doing it. So it's, uh, yeah, what you, that, that finished product is, uh, it's, it's more than me. It's a lot of people. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful to all those people that helped finish it up and make it what it is, uh, because I couldn't do it on my own. I know that. That's right. And again, Dylan, the, uh, the, the new single, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find out more information about the single, where they can uh, download it, and also social media-wise, uh, upcoming events, uh, tour dates, whenever that happens as well. Right. So I think probably the easiest thing would just be uh, Um And then from there, you know, you have links to social media like Instagram, which is just at Dylan Gerard. Facebook, Dylan Gerard Music, um, and then Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, all that stuff, just Dylan Gerard. Uh, uh, that, that, that's me. And then September 14th, like right now, Simple Things uh, is just out the radio. So if you want to hear it, you know, call in, request it, listen for it. But uh, it comes out digitally, uh, streaming platforms, stuff like that, on uh, September 14th. All right. Well, uh, Dylan, I hope you have a, a great rest of your week, and uh, hopefully you can catch up again real soon. Yeah, thank you, Cameron. I appreciate it. You guys, too. For more information, please visit DylanGerardMusic.com. Next up, I had the chance to visit with Perry Gilpin, who you probably remember as Roz from Frasier. She's in a new digital short series on YouTube. And first off, Perry, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Of course, Cameron. Nice to be here. Now, now, Perry, tell us the the the, the new web series and my how th- my how times have changed. Uh, got a, uh, a six episode digital short series, and and tell our listeners kind of about the new concept. Well, it, it is a web series, and the the, ser- the episodes are about three to five or six minutes long. They're short, and you can watch the whole series in like twenty five minutes. Uh, but it's it, a lot happens, a lot is packed into these episodes, and it's very funny, and it's got a big heart, this show. It's about my, um, my actually my friends uh, have a company called Five Sisters Productions, and there's five sisters. Two of them are old, old friends of mine, and they've told me stories about their mom and dad, really funny stories for years. And so when their mom and dad uh, retired... They moved out to L.A. to be with their all their five daughters, and the dad, Roger, who started a, 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 his career in acting again. Like he he went for it, and he started auditioning, and he started and he, he he actually got a lot of parts. And but they were all like you know adult diaper wearers or or like cadavers or you know things that old people kind of wind up playing. And and he he sort of was uh, he was he felt he. He felt like there's more, you know, there's more that old people do and there's more to elderly people's lives. And, and so that's sort of what he wants to say to the world. And it's very funny because he's right. And and how have you seen, have you seen ageism as uh, as your career has progressed? Do, do, have you noticed it before or maybe did this maybe pull the wool back from over your eyes? Well, yeah, I think the, the thing with, with Roger Burton, who plays Harry in this, is, 
you know, a lot of times when, you know, there's a lot of actors that are, are age, age gracefully and, and continue working. It is harder for women because, you know, I think that it's, I think that it's about how we look a lot of times. I, I was never an ingenue, so I, I feel like I can just probably work all my life at different things and, I just don't think there's a lot of roles for women that are, like, in the mid-years. I think that there's youthful roles, and then there's older roles, and then the middle years kind of get lost. But for men, I think they can go all the way through. I just think the hard part for Harry is that he is starting out at 80 years old, you know. So, But I, he's a great actor, and he's a good sport, and he's, and he's on time, and he's, you know, ethical, and he's doing everything right. He has a great business ethic, you know, but he just wants... M- he wants better roles, you know, and they're just not out there. And, and Perry, how has, uh, how much has media and, uh, and doing shows, how much has it changed with technology? I mean, <laughs> who would have believed doing a web series like this whenever you first started, right? Yeah, you know, it has, but I have to say my husband is an artist. He's a painter and he tells, his paintings often tell a story, does narrative paintings. And he talks about how, you know, telling a story in one frame, you know, so it can, it, it can be done. It's been done a lot. And this is just a way to explore that. And I, I, I think they do a great job because it, you can expand on it, but they get their point. In, and it's also very funny. I think they really wrote a funny, funny script about this. And they really capture our industry and they capture exactly what happens to a script as well as to to roles, you know, and and all the commercials and different things that you see older actors doing about all their bodily problems and things like that, and it's it's just, it you know, it's funny, but you when you think about it, you know, there's don't when you need somebody to be smart or when you need wisdom or when you need advice, don't you always think of going to maybe the oldest person you know, you know. And this, there's not a lot of those roles. <laughs> uh, that's right. And again, the, uh, the the new web series, Old Guy, find it on YouTube. And uh, Perry, always want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can keep up with everything else you've got going on as well. I'm on Twitter. I think it's Gilpin Perry. Dot Gilpin Perry. And then, uh, I'm sorry, Gil- yes, at Gilpin Perry on Twitter. And then on Instagram is Perry.Gilpin. Well, Perry, always great to visit with you, ma'am. I appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again real soon. Thank you. I love that you said ma'am. That is so sweet. That's so Oklahoma. Awesome. You can keep up with her on Instagram, perry.gilpin, and on Twitter, at gilpinperry. Up next is Art Bell, who was tasked with building Comedy Central from the ground up. He's releasing a new book on September 15th entitled Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. Creator of Comedy Central, uh, uh, chief executive over at HBO for many years, got a new book, Comedy Central. Uh, the, the, the book, sorry about that, uh, Constant Comedy, uh, is available and uh, coming up in the coming weeks. Is that right, Art? That's right. It's publishing the 15th. Actually, the full name of the book is Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, and what I guess that's maybe one thing that folks don't think about. They they watch a comedy network and they think everything's fun and games, but it, it's not necessarily that way, is it, Art? Well, the comedy business is a tough business. Uh, and uh, when I first got into it, I didn't know much about the comedy business. And I was surrounded by people who did. That was pretty a pretty crazy time for me. And that's one of the things I talk about in my memoir. Um, but starting a comedy network or starting any network or starting anything at all is, as you can imagine, just a very difficult, crazy, uh, and, and, and sometimes frightening undertaking. You're, you're trying to overcome so many problems that you didn't foresee, and you really want the thing to keep working. And it's like they keep rolling big boulders at you that you've got to dodge or, or do something with. So that's, that's why I, I, the subtitle is I Lost My Sense of Humor. It was hard. And, and, and when people, uh, obviously, they, everybody expects everything to be funny all the time, and uh, everybody's got their own feedback, their feedback. What, is, what was the hardest part in, in getting the feedback from others and, and then trying to make decisions based upon that? <laughs> feedback was easy to get, believe me. You put a channel on, you're hearing from the press, you're hearing from the audience, you're hearing from your mother, okay? Everybody's talking about it, about whether it's, you know, it's not funny, it's not funny enough, who's that guy, get that guy off of there. Everybody will give you advice. So the, the feedback that you have to consider is you have to actually choose what feedback you're going to act on. And we had to do that very early on. Um, something that came up from one of, the, uh, one of my co executives at, at HBO, as we started, was, you know what, you put a little more stand-up on, because we didn't have as much stand-up on, so we, we, start, we had very little, actually. He said, put a little more stand-up on, I said, he, he said, that always gets me to look up when I'm watching television. Uh, so we did that. And, you know, again, you take the feedback, you do what you can, you make the adjustments, you never say it's over, you always say, how do I solve the problem, how do I make it better? And how hard is it to take your own person out of the equation as well whenever making those decisions? I mean, obviously, we all have our heart on, on certain things. How hard is it to get your heart out of making some decisions sometimes? Well, as a programmer, uh, you're really trying to figure out how to solve your programming problems. For example, um, at one point, we were looking for a talk show or a panel show. Why? Because we thought that would fill out the comedy uh, network in a nice way, that people could see other people talking in a comedic way. So we started looking around, and then we got a pitch from Bill Maher, who said he wanted to do a talk show, he explained how he wanted to do it, and we bought it. So that, that's really, you know, it's a, it's a little more reason than just, I love that, but put it on. So, uh, but I will say this, as we put classic comedy on, I had a lot to say about that. I loved Get Smart. I was dying to get that on the, on the network. You know, that was written by Mel Brooks and Buck Henry. Classic comedy. Real huge impact on the, on, on the culture. And I wanted it on. And I made, you know, I made a big stand on that. And we did get it on. And, and I know that uh, there, there were folks out there that, that didn't want to see success, didn't expect success. And uh, to rise above in spite of, uh, the, of the negatives, the critics and all that, uh, obviously that's somebody any, something that anybody going into a new venture has to, has to learn as well. That's right. Otherwise, a new venture doesn't show up. There, there's going to be more people telling you it's a terrible idea than there are going to be patting you on the back saying, when do we start? And uh, in my case, 
almost everybody said it was a terrible idea, including uh, the head of programming at HBO, who told me nobody needs a 24-hour comedy channel. Nobody would watch it. There's too many channels out there already. Comedians would never be on it. And, you know, she just went on and on, and she ended with, uh, and you don't know anything about television anyway. Uh, so I walked out of there kind of a little, a little down, but... You know what? I, I, I knew she was wrong. I knew she was wrong. And I think that's what you have to do as you're, as you're trying to start something. You have to really hold the idea and hold the concept so close that nobody can knock you off of it. Nobody can knock you off of it until you try it. I mean, you know, and then when you try it, you've got other issues. But <laughs> that's, that's how you hold on to these things. And you talk about, obviously, folks having ideas, wanting to start uh, new ventures. And obviously, it, it, there are certain things that it takes to become a good entrepreneur. And what are, what are some of the biggest traits that you see in a, a good entrepreneur in the first place? Well, there's two things I think about all the time. One is passion and one is vision. The passion in my case was I loved comedy and I wanted to see a comedy network. And when I say passion, I was a comedy geek from the time I was five. I just loved it. So I, did, you know, I showed up with the passion. The vision is really about thinking what the world would look like and how it would be impacted by your idea or your product when it's successful. So you're not looking, you know, you're not looking six months down the road. You're looking at five to ten years down the road. And you're saying, man, what would it be like if there were a comedy network in the world? Well, we would be attracting all the best comedians. We would have the best writers coming to us with ideas. We would have... Uh, uh, innovative comedy that would never be put on the, on the air anywhere else coming to us. We would be the center of the comedy universe. And that's how I talked to myself about it. And that's how I explained it to people. Because that's what you have to do to get people to believe in your idea. You have to say, look, when this is successful, it's going to change the world. And we did. Comedy is, became quickly, pretty quickly, a part of pop culture. And I think nobody would argue with the fact that comedy has been a part of the culture now for, for many, many years. That's right. Comedy Central. That's right. And again, then the new book, Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor by Art Bell, uh, available the 15th. And Art, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find out more about the book and everything else you've got going on as well, sir. Okay, great. Well, it's available the 15th, but you can pre-order it on Amazon now, so it'll show up in your, in your hands on the 15th. Um, you can go to artbellwriter.com, which is my website, where I have lots of information about the book and me. Or you can go to uh, Art Bell Author, which is my uh, author page on Facebook. All right. Well, Art, it has been great to visit with you. I hope you have a great rest of your week, sir. Thank you. You too. For more information, visit artbellwriter.com. And our final guest is actor Christian Kane, who I've been following since he was on Leverage with Timothy Hutton, Aldous Hodge, and others. You might have also seen him in The Librarians with Rebecca Romaine and Noah Wiley. This visit coincided with the release of a new series, Almost Paradise, which aired on WGN America. All right, guys, promised you another very special guest. And, man, I, I, I've been a fan of him, a true fan of him, since Leverage uh, was, was was my big introduction into uh, Christian Kane. Uh, Christian on the line with us. First off, Christian, again, thanks for your time, brother. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's nice, uh, it's nice kind of being home. <laughs> yeah, you you actually have some Oklahoma ties. I was telling our uh, our afternoon guy, uh, you have uh, you have some Sooner ties, right? Big time sooner, man. I, uh, I grew up back and forth from Texas and Oklahoma most of my life, and uh, and uh, landed in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, you know went to went to high school there, and then went on to uh, 
go to the University of Oklahoma, man. So that was a uh, that was a joy. I was there for about four years, and uh, so I'm a dumb sooner born sooner bred. Come on. And uh, on the on the side of entertainment, man, you you you've spread across all gamuts. I mean, you uh, you've done uh, stunt work, you've done uh, you you've got a band that you've been doing music with, and uh, obviously the acting and the 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 new series Almost Paradise is uh, going to debut on March thirtieth on uh, WGN America. And tell us a little bit if folks haven't had the chance to see the trailer, the previews, and all that, a little bit about Almost Paradise. Well, it's it's it's, 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 it's very fun for me. I play an ex DEA agent, and he's uh, and he suffers from hypertension. He used to be the best in the business, but the uh, government made him retire because of uh, health problems. And so he goes out to a little island in the Philippines that he uh, he traveled to during his early earlier escapades. He found this little beach uh, this little beach property and bought it and went there to retire just to easy and when he goes back it's been 13 years and you know resorts have sprung up and there's a lot of crime there international crime that actually happens in the philippines and uh you know he, he went there to just breathe easy and as soon as he hits the ground he's off and running and they they suck him back in the local police you know they they, they do a little a little um, extracurricular work to make sure that he works for them and uh you know it's just he can't relax the guy can't catch a break but uh it's a lot of fun it's from uh same producer that I've worked with for 13 years now, Dean Devlin, who did Leverage, who did The Librarians. Uh, you guys may know him more from, uh, he, he did Independence Day, Godzilla, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. And and um, and so, you know, he's he, he's all action, man. And it's, uh, and it's so much fun to be able to work for this guy for as long as I have in these roles that he's given me. And, and you can't really, uh, you're kind of in the active roles uh, for the most part anyway. So it's kind of, it's kind of your comfort zone, right? You know what I mean? As long as I, as long as I get to say, uh, you know, they, you know, it's funny because usually what I do is I stay, say a stuff of uh, Stallone lines and then punch some people. That's kind of what <laughs> writes to me. This one's, this one's a little bit different, man. It's uh, it, you, there's a lot of emotion. Obviously, the comedy aspect is still there. You get to laugh, but you also get to cry, and it's and it's um, it's pretty. Um, it's it's a new role for me. You know, what I mean, this guy wears his heart on his sleeve, where other people that I've played really kind of covered it up. Um, but this guy's out there with this, you know, and, and the, the emotions are um, are very high for him. So it was a fun role. I still get to punch people and kick people, but I also uh, I also get to tug on the heartstrings. And so it was very fun for me to play this role. And at the time we're at right now, Christian, uh, obviously there's so much so much heaviness in the world. Uh, you talked about being able to bring the comedy, bring the action, and it, and it also the 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 beautiful locale. I mean, you kind of get to take people maybe a little bit out of their uh, their regular everyday doldrums, if you will, with the new show. Well, and that's 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 kind of what we're looking for, you know. And I and we were talking about doing some publicity for the show, and I was like, you know, I don't know if right now is the time. But then again, entertainment's always saved us. You know what I mean? We had to have somewhere to go. And so, you know, that's what I want to tell people is that we're home anyway, all of us. So if you want to take a quick vacation, man, this, there's, no, there's never been an American series that has filmed in the Philippines. A lot of people have never seen the Philippines. A lot of us are familiar with Japan and Korea and China and stuff like that because we've seen movies over there. But no one's ever really shown the Philippines and all the color and the culture and everything like that. So since we're home anyway, man, I invite you. I invite you to take a little vacation, man. You get to go to the Philippines. You get to see this unbelievable color that you've never seen before because it really is different than most of Southeast Asia. 
And, uh, you know, I just got back a week and a half ago. So, and, and it was, I was there for five months and I, I found, I found, you know, food, color, and culture there that I've never seen before in my life. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to travel the world. Um, so, you know, sit back, make your, uh, make your dinner and, uh, and take a little trip with us, man. We get, we get to fight the bad guys for you. And it's really honestly like being on vacation. So, you know, that's what, that's what I invite people to do. Thank you for that. And uh, Christian, you t- you've been on several different series, and uh, what I- what is the lag time in b- in building camaraderie on on a normal basis, and and, and kind of how is uh, how was the new series? How how was that coming together? Well, you know, it's it's very it's very it's a that's a great question. Most people don't ask that. I like that question because that's that's very important in a TV series, and I think I think that's why so many people. Um, agreed with uh, with us on leverage you know what i mean i think that at that time we were going through some economical problems in the world and so people kind of like did what i said just now they sat back and they let us throw the punches to the big guys that were uh you know kind of kind of kind of bullying america at the time so i think that's why it was important but the main thing that you just touched on was the camaraderie more than that the family on leverage, we were a family. You know, we'd work 14-hour days, and then we'd get off. Everybody thinks we'd work like three hours and go home. We'd work 14-hour days, and then spend the next three hours at a restaurant having dinner and a little bit of wine, talking about the day. And that's what made us a family. We're all still very close on leverage. Um, you know, we're all still very good friends. And, and the same thing I found happened with Almost Paradise. We stepped on set. All of us became really close. You know, we were thrown onto an island, a very small island, and, you know, and we're working every day. And then we'd all go home to the hotel and we'd have dinner and have a couple of drinks and talk about the day and talk about what's to come and the, the tomorrow's work. You don't usually get that. Usually everybody goes home and lives their own life, but we were kind of forced to do that. And we built this family, this small family over there in the Philippines, uh, me and Sam Rochelle and Articuna and Noni, you know, the, the, the four actors, we built this little family that you just... You know, it's and it shows on screen. And I'm I'm a big fan of Garth Brooks. Everybody knows that. And I always quote him. And I don't know if I'm going to quote him correctly, but I'll quote this. He said, "No matter what, where you are, no matter if you had, you know, no matter if you, where you were in the crowd, no matter what, if you had front row seats, no matter if you had a backstage pass, I'm still the one having the most fun." And that's Garth Brooks. And that's why he was so successful. He was having so much fun, so it bled out into the crowd. That's exactly what we're doing. So I think it bleeds out into the TV room. It worked on leverage, so we said, let's keep that let's keep that formula for almost paradise. And a lot of folks, like you mentioned, don't get the opportunity to travel to places like, uh, like the Philippines and some of the other places that you've been able to film. And how cool is it for you to be able to maybe uh, do, a, do a little uh, history, geography lesson and, and show folks what else the, the other beauties there are in the world? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Lord has blessed me. I've been, uh, I was still the 14-year-old kid that got down beside his bed and prayed all this stuff would happen to him. Never knew it would happen at this level. I'm very fortunate. A lot of it is hard work. But uh, just to see the world, to travel the world like I've traveled, to do stuff that uh, that they pay me for <laughs> is uh, is pretty incredible, man. And I've seen... Uh, I've seen ten lifetimes worth of stuff, man, and it's just uh, and it's amazing. I encourage people once this is all over to get out there and go see it, especially from Oklahoma, man. We get comfortable in Oklahoma. My mom and my dad, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like, you know, get out there and see some stuff because every single place I go, there's just like I said, there's new colors, and definitely for me, I'm a foodie, so new food and stuff like that. And you got to get out there. But if you can't, which nobody can right now, 
like I said, take a trip with us. We'll take you to the Philippines for about 10 weeks, and it's a really, really fun ride. And you talked about uh, being around the world and seeing different things. And one one thing I want to ask you is, you know, we, we always hear the negatives. You don't you don't get to hear a lot of the positives. They don't make headlines. But uh, right. the, the, the humanity and the love and the, the respect for one another, th- that's worldwide, right? It is. It's in different it's in different forms in different shapes, but it is worldwide. Like I, you know, I went out there and worked with this crew for the in the Philippines, and they they just became family, man. They just it, it was just so unbelievable. Uh, the, the the people that were out there. I've been to South America. It was the same thing, you know. I mean, they they're, they're no one's the same as us, and we're not the same as them. It depends on where you go in the world, but everyone everyone is everyone is looking out for their fellow man. I know that all the news we report, it looks like you know, well, there's people that are just. But it's not like that, man. The world is a great place. It's just got a couple of bad people. <laughs> that, that's right. And Christian, as you talk about uh, going and traveling all over the world that you've done, I know each and every opportunity that we have to interact with folks of a different culture, uh, of a different area of the world, makes changes in our lives. What, what do you see different about yourself now as opposed to the beginning of the, the filming there in the Philippines? I've been to the Philippines once. I went. I actually went on a vacation. Uh, someone that I, some a friend of mine was over there filming, and they got done, and they were like, "Well, come out, and we'll go to Boracay, very beautiful island." So I went there. So I sort of knew a little bit about it, but not too much. But you know, I went in blind, and it's uh, I was the only American there. Uh, you know, the rest of the cast is Filipino. Uh, the whole crew is Filipino. There was a director that came out, my buddy Mark Roskin, who directed me a lot in Leverage. He came out and directed the first two. And then he left. And I was there by myself. And I tell you, I never felt more at home. And i got to be honest with you, man. I just got back a week and a half ago. I actually felt safer in the Philippines than I did when I landed in Los Angeles. You know, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible because early on, I guess, because it had hit in China... This whole thing, they were taking our temperature walking into the, the hotel, and then if we went to a restaurant, they would take our temperature again. It seemed like that hotel on a small island was more prepared than we were, you know, and rightly so. But we're going to figure this out, man. We're going to figure all this stuff out. That is right. And again, uh, the, the the first episode is going to debut March 30th on uh, WGN America and Christian. If folks want to keep up with, uh, or, or if they want to delve themselves into the role of a caniac, how would they do that? <laughs> uh, well, you can go to uh, my Twitter handle, which is uh, ChristianCane01. That's on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being pretty, Rebecca Romaine, who's a friend of mine that did the librarians with a couple, a couple years ago, she forced me on Instagram and now that's become where I do a lot of my stuff. So that's Christian Kane one. I only have one Twitter and one, and one Instagram, all these people that are getting duped by these fake people out there. It's not real. I only have one Christian Kane zero one on Twitter and then Christian Kane one on Instagram. And I've been pretty active on Instagram, like I said, because, uh, there's just so many, pictures that i took out there that some of them i can't release because it would give away stuff but as the episodes go on we'll be doing that and we'll also be doing uh a live tweet me and dean devlin and sam rochelle the the the, the uh, my co-star on the show we're going to be doing a live tweet like we used to do on leverage while we were uh while while the episode is actually airing so that's always fun because i get immediate feedback from the from my friends and family and the fans and stuff like that and so that's fun so if you guys want to join that that would be fantastic 
All right. Well, uh, Christian, it is always great to visit with you. Hopefully we don't have to wait a couple of years till we get the chance to visit again. Looking forward to uh, Almost Paradise uh, coming up on March 30th. And again, Christian, thanks so much for your time this morning. Hey, man, thank you for having me. It was nice to, uh, I'm in Los Angeles right now, but it's very nice for you to bring me home for a second. They're still in talks for a possible season two, although it definitely will not be on WGN. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. And if you ever have a comment, question, or anything else you'd like to know, you can find me on Instagram, aka underscore Cameron, on Twitter at Cameron Dole, on my Facebook page at Cameron Dole Altus. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, feel free to click the support tab and follow the instructions. We'll see you for episode 10 real soon.